0: Welcome to The Perspectivalist. Our agenda is to offer a perspective of the world that allows you to think more clearly as a Christian. We want the normativity of scriptures to be the starting point of all doings. Thanks for joining the conversation. This is episode five, and I am your host, Yuri Brita. I wanna talk about why men are not singing in church today. That's a very significant topic for me, apart from some of my loves and passions in this world, like uh, watching Nacho Libre, singing in church, and in particular men singing in church, carries an incredible value in my ethical system. Now, various articles have attempted to answer that question recently, but before we can try to offer a rationale for such a remarkable question, I think we need to observe that some are entirely comfortable allowing this trend to continue. The fact that men don't sing in church, that's okay. Okay. It's not that big of a deal in the scale of things. After all, you know, music plays a minimal role in, the, in their worship experience, so why should the question of men singing in church be of any significance? Now, others find the issue of congregational singing irrelevant because, after all, the train, praise bands, they do the leading of worship each Sunday. Let the professionals lead and let the man remain passive maybe mumble a line or two along, maybe experience the praise band's professionality. But for them to be deeply engaged in the process of singing, that just doesn't carry any theological weight. And that's true of our basic evangelical culture. Certain environments encourage people to hear and feel the music rather than sing it. And some groups have placed such high priority on the preached word that the very idea of singing congregationally seems very secondary, if not tertiary, in the priority list. It kind of goes like this, the preached word is the exalted thing, and congregational singing carries a minimal role when placed next to the preaching of the word of God. Now, I am a Reformed pastor, and um, I actually carry my Calvinist identity card with me wherever I go, and so I treasure the preaching of the word of God. I think it carries the weight that the reformers believed it did. But I think the contrast sometimes is fairly bizarre. We're making enemies where we should be making friends. The preached word carries on an authoritative role, but the sung word does as well. There are different weights, certainly. But when we sort of divorce these two friends, we are in some ways dividing the methods of blessings that God gives the congregation at large. But on to better things. Fortunately, there are a vast number of churches and leaders that still treasure congregational singing in every tradition, whether it be the Presbyterian, the Baptist, and the Episcopal, the Lutheran. And they're longing for men to return to the old-fashioned task of singing God's melodies. And the cruel reality is that We are very far from that mark, even though there has been some interest recently, and certainly I receive a lot of interest from churches who are curious about what we do in our congregation. They want to see men picking up that slack. They want to see men growing in musical knowledge. In my many visits to evangelical churches over the years, and we try to visit various congregations outside our tradition, we're on vacation. The few men who do sing, they are reading the words on the screen or on the a bulletin or in a hymnal or whatever, but they're reading those words and singing them timidly, like you know, like a child attempting to spell out this phonics assignment. And I have argued over the years that timid singers make for timid Christians. Now, you know, lest you think I'm being somewhat radical here, I'm not arguing for a particular style of music, at least not yet. I can do that another time. I'm not asking for that much. I think we need an incremental strategy here. I'm arguing for men to sing. Whether through a projected song lyrics, whether it be Fanny Crosby classics or the Scottish Psalter, I am imploring for men to take up their holy charge and lead by example to set the tone, and then watch their little lions roar. And there's a more insidious reason why men don't sing. And you know, one author put it like this: "Quote. Look around your average evangelical church, and you'll likely see a three-to-one ratio of women to men." And of the men who actually do attend, you can see on about half of their faces that they're only there because their wives want them to be there. The other half are there because they genuinely want to be there, close quote. We have succumbed to a kind of cowardly environment where instead of men leading the women with their voices and character and fervor, the women are attempting to make up for the lack of interest in their own husbands. You know, how often have I encountered as a pastor the scenario where women hunger to learn, they hunger to grow in their Christian walk, but husbands are just content with the slobberiness of impious entertainment. Evangelical men are wanted, but they're lacking. They lack in leadership, and the ones who make it to church after their wives' brave attempts to persuade them the night before, they sit there in a silence resembling a well-preserved, uh, ritualized mummy. Yes, there's certainly much to blame for the weakness of the evangelical men, and there is much to commend in, in female saints who tirelessly bring their children to church on Sunday morning while their husbands engage in their, you know, their rock and roll fantasies. May God curse their dreams. But we need to find a restoration of masculine singing in our churches as a way of preparing our men. To endure whatever hardship is coming our way, timid singers make timid Christians. Timid singers will give up very easily their loyalties. Timid singers will accept governmental inerrantists and priests to come. Timid singers will be the ones handing them the key to enter their churches. Timid male singers are the ones who give up their rights. Timid male singers are the ones who will easily fall into political leftism timid male singers will not read the times well like the sons of Issachar so I don't want to end this homily without at least giving some applications for where we go from here do we content ourselves with the defeat of the masculine vocal cords or do we pave a better way in my estimation we need to recover the centrality of congregational singing We need a bigger dose of psalm preaching as a way of encouraging the people to sing. A pastor who preaches through the psalms will constantly be bombarded by this theme that we read in Psalm 81. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. How do we apply that? Well, we call upon a greater emphasis in the things emphasized by the psalmist. It is the duty of pastors to encourage their congregations to learning to think musically. Now, pastors may not always have the gifts of a musician, but they should at the very least find enough interest in music to add their voices to the question of music in the church. There's plenty of room for, you know, talented, trained, tested musicians, but none of these musicians are going to be equipped to lead God's people into battle like the minister that God has chosen for a particular congregation. Again, that minister does not need to have musical skills, but he should be able to have the resources and the ability to invest in the topic of music as a way of encouraging the men and those talented musicians, the church, to spread the wealth of musical knowledge. When a minister relinquishes music to the other leaders in the church, what he has done is he has lost a portion of the fight because it is the pastor's role as a man and minister to exhort his congregation by example. Men need pastors who lead because the men are watching. Now, certainly not in all cases, but, you know, in most cases, when when those who have been engaged in church life for some time do not sing, it's because they're following a leader that cares very little for singing himself or cares very little for the power of music in the life of the church. A minister should be as eager to sing as he should be to preach. And as a, just as known as a final application, you're wondering, okay, I get your point, Pastor Brito. Where do I go from here? If you're part of a church where singing is not a common practice in outside its walls or if you're part of a congregation where the singing in the church does not translate into heavy masculine voices I would encourage you to find yourself a men's study or a prayer group in the future and if you find yourself in those environments to be the voice of influence there to begin to change the trend by You know, printing out copies of music for everybody. Talk to your Bible leader, your prayer group leader, and say, you know what, before we begin this process here, can we start singing something? And whatever it might be, you know, you can print 20 copies of Amazing Grace and sing it like you believe it. And for some environments, this is going to be rather awkward because sometimes, well, I should say in most cases, music doesn't seem to be that kind of thing that establishes the mood. Now, interestingly, The world gets that. The entertainment industry gets that. They know that Forrest Gump without music is relatively tedious. They know that saving Private Ryan without music would lose its vigor. But the church seems to think that we don't need something to set the stage for the power and authority of whatever we're doing. And music does that. And even if it's a bit strange, you know, let the initial awkwardness be a sign of better things to come. A church that sings together stays together. And men that sing together, they change the world. Timid singers make for timid Christians. Men, don't be a timid singer. This is Yuri Brito for The Perspectivalist. We'll see you next time.